sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. And welcome to Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. I am Craig Mish, and along with Joe Pizzapia for the next three hours, we got you covered. Joe, we certainly have a very big show for you here today. Looking forward to covering it all and can't wait to get to the football discussion and baseball, of course, as well. Yeah, and a wild finish to that game last night with Utah, too. Man, that was tough. It was a very exciting moment there. You know, sometimes you get these isolated moments at the end of NBA games where all of a sudden it's like, okay, it was a timeout, then you come back. But no, the finish was one of these things where it went courtside to courtside, back and forth, and you don't know where to look next. And you don't see that very often. Usually you get the timeout and the isolation in those moments where they're, okay, somebody hits that shot. But oh, what, what a crazy, heartbreaking ending for one side of that game last night, uh, but certainly worth watching for sure. Yeah, definitely so. And, uh, and I think, um, I mean, look, I give Denver a lot of credit for getting to this point and certainly advancing. But if they think that they're going to count on Jamal Murray the rest of the way without getting any help from Jokic or anyone else, they're in uh, they're in big trouble. But let's go through the uh, headlines here on Fantasy Sports Today here on this Wednesday. It is the Denver Nuggets, not your uh, your father's Denver Nuggets with all their uh, old-time players of Matumbo or anything like that. They're, they're back. They're in the Western Conference semifinals. We'll see how they end up faring in the next round. The Celtics outlasted the Raptors. I mean, you could say the Raptors honestly gave this one away. But the Boston Celtics are moving uh, to a 2-0 lead now in this series. And again, with no home court advantage, can the Raptors rally to win four of the next five? I don't know if they can. We'll have to see. The Cincinnati Bengals, they signed Joe Mixon to a four-year contract. And so his migraines uh, are done, and he is back on the field. Congratulations to him, and good move by the Bengals as well. Uh, I, I thought that this could head into the season. I said it many times here on the show, and I'm glad to see that the Bengals figured out a way to keep him on the field because they will need him. Now, the Alvin Kamara story is a really interesting one because it's uh, it's definitely very dicey. If you have the fourth pick in your fantasy draft right now and you're drafting tonight, you may want to just like call in sick because we're not really sure exactly <laughs> what is going on with him. A lot of different reports, including reports this morning saying he's expected to be back at practice. You know, I'm I'm expected to be back back at practice too. It's this is t- this is really <laughs> tough to have to deal with. And, and and my advice to you, honestly, if you have the fourth pick tonight, take somebody else. Let let somebody else take that chance because this guy uh, he could leave, he could play. We we just don't know. It's very in flux. And then in baseball, and of course, we're still covering baseball here a little bit too. Two players hit three home runs last night. A team scored 16 runs. A team scored 23 runs. And it's a great place to start here today, uh, today Joe. I was at the uh, Miami game last night uh, against the Toronto Blue Jays. I would say it was one of the more exciting endings I've seen in, in the Marlins Park for the last couple of years. But overall in baseball, I mean, we almost had fighting between the Bay Rays and New York Yankees and fighting words from the Rays manager saying that I got guys who could throw 98. That's all I know. Wow. Like, that's... Uh, not something that I expected to see last night, but that's where we can start today. Uh, no, people are getting a little crazy here at the end of the summer. It's starting to look a little wackier. Getting hot. I'll tell you what, the the American League has not been the same in the East since the Red Sox won a championship. I'm just going to come out there and say it. That rivalry died when the Red Sox won that first one in 04 for me. It was, it, look, it was brilliant. It was amazing. It was a great moment. I wept, and I'm not even a Red Sox fan. It was incredible to watch. But it's never been the same since. 
And if the Rays and Yankees are going to go at it, great. That is good for baseball. I want teams that don't like each other. Everybody likes each other. Everybody's talking to each other. When we were younger, and I'm going to sound like an old fart, so I'm going to go out on my uh, porch right now and get my rocking chair as I say this. But when we were younger, Carlton Fisk and Thurman Munson, and these guys were pounded on each other. These teams hated each other in the 70s and the 80s and even into the 90s and 2000s. A-Rod and Baratek, all this stuff. There's no heat in the American League East anymore. Maybe this is it a little bit with the Rays of all teams, and I like it. It's kind of fun. They're kind of stepping up to Big Brother right now. Now, just keep in mind, too, there's two big guys on the IL during this fight. Stanton, Judge, I don't know if that changes the playing field at all in their mind. <laughs> they point in a fight on the field, perhaps. Maybe it does. For me, it would. But I think that's really fun. And you know, going back to Mixon real quick, too, because this is really important. Uh, it would have really put Joe Burrow in a tough spot if Joe Mixon was not signed. He is by far right now their healthiest, best talent that they have. And uh, if you're going to develop a young quarterback, as we welcome in our radio audience here to Fantasy Sports today on Sports Grid, if you are the Bengals and you are going to build Joe Burrow up and have the kind of career you want him to have and the early success you want him to have, you must, must, must support him with the running game. And the downgrade of Joe Mixon to Gio Bernard, yes, Gio Bernard is still in the league if you can believe it. Mm. That is a, that is a, a downgrade you can't afford to happen in terms of his development. You need him on the field. You need a run game to support him. If he is going to have any kind of success in his first season, same way he did for Andrew Luck, same way he did for Russell Wilson, all those other young quarterbacks who were good in their rookie season, they all had running backs to help out. Uh, so I think that's something to keep in mind. And, and that is a good job here by the Bengals, not letting this drag on at all. So good job, Bengals. Good job, Joe Mixon. Everyone's happy, including my fantasy teams that have Joe Mixon on it. Yay. But you're not wrong. About Camara, Mish, fourth pick right now, very tricky. I've got the fifth pick tonight in a draft, but it's a super flex IDP thing. It's a totally different kind of yeah, thing. But Derek yeah. Henry, Joe Mixon, these are guys right now, you know where the roles are. Why take the chance with Camara? Yeah, no, I, I mean, if he was signed, no problem. But I, I, I don't, there, there are so many unknowns in the upcoming fantasy football season. Give me the known. I just want guys who are on the field. Guys who are on a team, guys who are not <laughs> sitting out, and and I want no part of anybody else. And and it was funny is that I got my first dose last night of somebody drafting and texting me during the draft, and I am as big a DeAndre Swift fan as anybody. This guy I think is going to be a superstar in the NFL. My favorite running back in the draft, but his name was up, and the person who I was helping out took him. And I said, I don't think that that was a good pick. Like, he's he's a little hurt and a rookie. I can't do it. Fantasy standouts are next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you are an avid fantasy baseball player and you are still following this right up until the end, good for you. I really applaud that. And, of course, we will here, too, to a degree. Of course, we're moving more toward fantasy football season. We'll continue to do some fantasy standouts. But here is my advice to you. Something very big happened today in baseball. Baseball America is reporting that in two weeks, Major League Baseball is going to allow teams to hold instructional camps for all of their minor leaguers, or at least the ones that they choose. So those of you who are playing in dynasty leagues and you're wondering, what about all of these players that I had that didn't make the team's final 60-man roster? 
those players are going to be in their respective alternate site camps starting September the 18th. And so uh, for those of you who are following it again, as we move toward football, make sure you check that out because you'll be able to see some of the guys who haven't been on a field in a few months. Really good move, I think, for baseball and also gives some semblance of a minor league baseball season. But Joe, on the major league baseball side, we saw probably the most epic hitting night that we've seen thus far in the 2020 season. Two different players who hit three home runs, three different players who drove in six or more runs, and I think that's a great place to start today. One player in particular who I think that shouldn't surprise you that he had a big night, and another that just came out of nowhere. I mean, I I think that's the best way that you could put it. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, look, the guy at the top of this list today that you're going to talk about, uh, we all know he needs to have a big season too, and uh, this is the second year in a row. He's playing on a one-year deal. And now he only has 60 games to prove himself. And I'll tell you what, there's been some injuries on that team. And so far in the last couple of weeks, this guy's kind of stepped up in that void a little bit. And I think that uh, that certainly bodes well for his free agency this year. Yeah. And look, we'll see. Uh, I know Marcelo Zuna very well, and I don't think he's going to get a multi-year deal again, as crazy as it sounds. But uh, let's take a look at Zuna. One year. Wow. That's tough. maybe two, maybe two. I don't know. I, there's still, there's still enough defensive questions with him. But you're right. I mean, maybe now with the DH would certainly help him a lot if it was a right. universal DH. But let, but let's look at it here. Uh, three more, three home runs for uh, Big Bear Ozuna last night. Three home runs, eleven RBIs. He is the first road player in the National League ever to hit three home runs at Fenway Park. Think about that for a second. Uh, that's the first. Yeah, I mean, look, there hasn't been interleague play, Joe, forever, and so. But since that started, essentially, he's the first National League player to ever do that. And he drove in six runs yesterday. Alex Dickerson. We all had him on our teams this year, right? Sure. Three home runs last night. So show me a ticket with that in DFS. Uh, Seven now on the season for him. Six RBIs. The Giants scored 24 runs. Crazy. Uh, Brad Miller. Wow. Brad Miller has been such a great signing for the Cardinals. A shocking signing. And he had four hits yesterday. Two home runs. And he had the most, seven RBIs in that game yesterday. The Cardinals all of a sudden smashing the ball. Fran Mill Reyes of the Cleveland Indians, five for five, two runs and an RBI. Almost hit for the cycle. I believe he was a triple away. Aaron Nola had the best pitching performance of anyone yesterday on the mound for the Phillies. He threw eight innings, no earned runs, nine strikeouts. He improved to four and two. And Victor Reyes, a nice underrated player, I think, for the Tigers. Four for six with five RBIs. But wanted to start off here uh, with Alex Dickerson of the San Francisco Giants after the game yesterday was asked at any level, whether it's majors, minors, or Little League, was this the best game? Has he ever had a better game than he had last night? No. No, I've never homered three times in a game. I've had some five for six days with two homers, two doubles, maybe a triple or something, but that's by far the best game I've had in my life. Joe, that's uh, that says a lot because again, major league players have played in little league, you know, and they played in high school (laughs) and and they've hit four or five bombs in games. I mean, where in the world has this come from? Alex Dickerson? I mean, to talk about unpredictable, this is up there with all the things that have happened this year. Colorado's a beautiful place. I told you what I would love more than anything is to get a World Series where we're playing in Buffalo and Colorado. 
That's my hope. That's what I want to have happen this year. It's not going to happen, but still would be amazing if it did. Who knows? It might even be snow at that point (laughs) in November by the time we actually got there. Snow, 22 to 17 games. Oh, it would be so good. Uh, But look, Dickerson's a guy I've been following for a very long time. And going back to the Pittsburgh organization, uh, he's bounced around quite a bit. uh, And Dickerson was a guy in the minor leagues who actually had some talent. He was blocked in sometimes in positions, and then he would go to organization, organization, and look, great night for him. Very cool to have this kind of a night on your resume. I think, again, this is one of those times where you sit back and you tell the grandkids, hey, I tell you about the time that I hit three home runs at Coors Field. That was the day, boy. I'll tell you, that was, I don't know why he's smoking a cigarette. He just is. But anyway, uh, great job by Alex Dickerson last night. Really fun for him. Uh, and Marcelo Zuna, another guy, three bombs in the same night. Brad Miller is the, is the story here for me that kind of gets buried in the lead because this was a guy a few years ago, maybe not that long ago. Had a lot of high expectations there with the Mariners and obviously some time with the Rays too. And then then it kind of off the radar. And then he's popping up right now with of all teams, the Cardinals. And he's, you know, hitting the ball all over the place. And it's kind of crazy. I don't know how long it's gonna last, but it's certainly a fun story in what is a wacky 2020 and a great job by Aaron Nola in a big start here again. Aaron Noah continues to go out there and be a true ace. He's had basically one bad start all year, but to go there against the nationals, I know the nationals are in last place, but that's still Patrick Corbett on the other side. That's still Juan Soto over there. And the way Trey Turner has been hitting too, that's not the easiest lineup to get through all the time. So a great job by Aaron Nola. And yet again, keeping the Phillies relevant. We'll see if Zach Wheeler can keep that going today against Max Scherzer. And, and, and the Phillies fortunes have changed too. And right on the cusp of a playoff spot, and don't look now, have a chance to finish above 500 for the 2020 season. So their fortunes have completely changed over the course of a week. They're looking great. Uh, The Miami Marlins made one of the biggest splashes at the trade deadline, trading for Starling Marte. And in a 2-2 game in the bottom of the eighth inning yesterday, Marte hit his first home run for his new team. It was a shot that was heard by about 50 people, of course, who were in the ballpark, me being one of them. And immediately when he hit that ball, you saw the pitcher for the Blue Jays just put his head down and the entire Marlins dugout went bananas. And Don Mattingly, the skipper of the manager, uh, the skipper of the Marlins afterwards said the second that the ball was hit, he knew it was gone. You know, that was an instant one. Uh, as soon as it, the first split second that it takes off, you know that's way out. And uh, so, and like you said, the dugout erupts in a game like that. We were able to fight back in. Uh, I think they all probably know our situation as you go into a game who's kind of been used a lot. Um, You know, they know that, you know, I thought yesterday's game was a big energy boost for us. Uh, And so you could feel that energy in our clubhouse today and on the field. And to be able to pull up a win right there is, you know, just kind of adds to it. And, and, and then, obviously, with Starling just coming over, getting a big hit, it's a great start for him, um, and obviously good for us. Joe, I think that for Starling Marte, a lot of people thought that his numbers would go up exponentially in Arizona, in the desert there, and, and they were good, but they were kind of what they were in Pittsburgh. Maybe what he does in Miami is sort of irrelevant to the ballpark. I'm starting to think that he's just a player that you know exactly what his numbers are going to be at the end of the season, regardless of where he plays. 
Yeah, I think it's tough to know what it would have been over a full season. Might have changed our tune a little bit. If you played 81 games in Arizona, maybe those splits would be a little bit different. But when you're only looking at like a 15-game split versus 15, that that's that's tough to really gauge how good it was and not. It's not a big enough sample size. But I do feel pretty good. I mean, historically speaking, about Starling Marte, you look at the road numbers in his career, they've always been pretty good. Uh, he is a player with power, a player with speed, a player that will still be relevant in fantasy next year as well. And uh, I think a good acquisition for the Marlins right now. So uh, good job by them being able to prime away from the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Beating uh, Jacob deGrom on, uh, on Sunday in a 24 hour deal, and then coming back to beat the blue Jays uh, on, on, uh, on Tuesday. Okay. Uh, coming up next, we got a little smoke or fire. We're going to talk about a couple of players that are probably being drafted in the mid to late rounds in your fantasy draft and whether or not you should be in on them based on some of the comments, but coming up next after Chris's update, We've got the very important tip drill. If you're playing NBA DFS, Jeremy Stein and Greg Sussman are helping you out and helping you make money on FanDuel today. There are another two huge games going to be played in the NBA tonight, so make sure you check that out. Also, a little bit later on, we'll play a little game of fantasy or reality. We'll ask some questions about pop culture and about sports as well. Chris's update is next, then the tip drill. Then we'll tell you what's up in Smoke or Fire. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizapia. And we got you here until 2 o'clock on the East Coast. Thanks so much for watching, listening, however you are consuming our show today. Very cool. Look forward to Game 7 tonight. Houston and Oklahoma City NBA playoffs have been fun. All right, time for a little smoke or fire. This is basically all we've had to go on in the offseason. I've had so many conversations the last couple of days. People have asked now starting to ask me about you know fantasy football and what to do and how to do it. And this is going to be, I think... The most unpredictable season of all time. I think we're going to see cuts in the next week. I think we're going to see players traded in and out. We just have so little information to go on, less than we've ever had before in fantasy football history, that we're leaning on a lot of the beat reporters who are allowed to even talk about it. You have a half a dozen teams who have said nothing until after the practices are over and can't even tell you who's starting and who's not. So we got to dive in, and we're going to do it a little bit more today, uh, Joe. So let's give it a shot here. Let's start off with the Dallas Cowboys. Stephen Jones, executive vice president of the Dallas Cowboys on 105.3 The Fan, said that uh, Blake Jarwin, here is the quote, really coming into his own, nothing would surprise me with him in terms of what his production could be this year. And look, this is coming directly from the Cowboys, so this is complete uh, jargon nonsense, of course, coming from a team owner. Uh, and and essentially, uh, you know, the the owner of the Cowboys. What do you expect him to say? But look, it's it's more of a belief in the player, I think, than anything else. So I'm going to say this is complete smoke. But in terms of the belief, you could certainly feel a certain way about the player. But this is not something that I would take anything else except for what do you expect the owner to say? The quote is smoke, <clears throat> but Blake Jarwin has some fire there. And the more and more you see Blake Jarwin, the more and more you go back and look at some of the footage from last year, too, and the moments he did get to touch the football, they're really solid. You look at the track record of Dak Prescott targeting the tight end in his career. Granted, it was usually Jason Witten, but it's pretty solid. 
Last year, 124 targets. I keep getting hung up on it, but that's a lot of targets to a tight end and offense, more than a lot of other offenses would see, especially with as many weapons as the Cowboys have. So I'm not the person who usually reaches for Travis Kelsey. I like to kind of get Andrews, Waller, and the PPR. That's kind of the really sweet spot in terms of good return on investment. But when there's a lot of unknown about Hunter Henry, Tyler Higby, all these other guys that are kind of going ahead of the Blake Jarwins and Noah Fants and Hayden Hurst, I'd much rather take my chance with two of those three guys, hope that one of them hits. And I think Jarwin should be on your radar, especially in deeper leagues, because him, Jonu Smith, there's a lot of guys with potential this year at tight end. And taking two in a draft is smart. Then hopefully you hit on one. If you hit on two, then you got a trade asset, which is even better. Yeah, and, and look, I, I liked Jarwin a couple of years ago, and um, then when Witten came back and sort of stunted his growth a little bit, mm-hmm. um, I don't know that I'll have him this year. I, I don't. I don't know that I will. But but again, it's certainly possible. It, you're right in that offense. There are targets to be had. I just, I'm I'm going to say this is one of the few guys that I'm just going to have no opinion on. If, if, if he ends up in my hands, okay, but I'm certainly right. not going to plant my flag and say he's going to be good. I just, no, I just but can't for free do squares, that. You don't have to plant any flags. You take him. It doesn't work out. You cut him. That's the nice thing about Jarwin is the return on investment is, is not what, what round is he, he can take it in. He's going like the 13th round, 14th round. You yeah, know? you're right. There, there really is no risk. There really is no, no risk. Zero. Yeah. <clears throat> no, there, there is none. Okay, let's uh, move on to somebody I was very high on last year, and I would say the return on the investment was not what I thought it would be at all. This is Chris Carson on the Seattle Seahawks. Thank goodness Pete Carroll stuck with him, even though he fumbled a million times last year. Here is the quote from Pete Carroll, who loves everyone. He hasn't had a snap out there that he didn't look good. He's missed a few days because of family. We don't have any hesitation at all with Chris. He's fine, and he's ready to go. I I saw this guy two years ago and thought 1,400 yards last year, 12 touchdowns. And when he was healthy, he looked pretty good, and and there were some moments. He he won some weeks for me and for Mm -hmm. other people in fantasy, but he did not look as good as I thought he would. I don't love the options behind him. And so it was interesting. I, I think it was Sussman and I that were uh, talking about uh, Fournette maybe to Seattle, how that could potentially be um, you know, exciting. They even brought Lynch in at the end of the year last year. I'm out on Carson, Joe. I'm out. I'm just not in. Well, yeah. I mean, Lynch showed up when the Carson injury happened, so that makes a lot of sense. They were down a lot of, you know, Carson was hurt. Penny was hurt. They just needed bodies at the end of the year in Seattle. But I would say this with Carson. This quote is smoke. Uh, there's a little bit of fire to the notion, though, that, yes, even though you don't love the guys behind him, Charles Hyde is capable. And I think that's the dangerous thing here. You have a very capable running back. So if the fumble issues persist again in 2020, that's my big concern for Chris Carson. Yes, Seattle's committed to the run, but Pete Carroll is one that if you put the football on the ground or if there's an issue, he is not going to hesitate to pull you from a game. And that's my concern with Chris Carson. I like him as a flex, but he's going as an RB2 and that's tough. Andrew Erickson is going to join us next. We'll touch on Joe Mixon, Kendrick Bourne. Should he be taking them? We'll tell you next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
We are in the thick of fantasy football draft season. There's nobody I'd rather talk to more about that than our good friend Andrew Erickson from PFF, from Pro Football Focus. Andrew, this is it. This is what we live for. This is where we're at right now. It's draft season, and I know I'm excited about it. How are your drafts going, my friend? Man, it's all about wake me up when August ends, not September. I can't wait for (laughs) September, man. It's been going good. I've had a couple drafts in August, but now it's really starting to heat up have chock full of drafts coming up and I'm getting the guys I like my, my guys article came out on the website last week. I'm getting a lot of Josh Jacobs, a lot of Joe Mixon. So I'm glad to see that he's, he's locked and loaded. Yes. We all are very happy about that. Two of my guys as well. And whenever smart people like the same guys, you should listen up everybody because that's a good thing for your fantasy team. Let's talk about Joe Mixon agreed to a four year deal with the Bengals earlier this week. Um, I'm not surprised. I mean, the fact that he had this headache, Oh my goodness. Negotiations aren't going so well. I, I really don't feel good enough to practice today. And then all of a sudden everything's fine uh, after that deal gets signed. So I think this is a great move. You need to support Joe Burrow here with a running back. You can count on. It reminds me again of, you know, when you bring in Andrew Luck uh, as a starting rookie quarterback, same thing with Burrow. You want to support him with as much as you possibly can and surround him with good talent and Mixon certainly part of that. You have to take some pressure off the young kids. So going forward, not just in redraft, but in keeper leagues, you're kind of like me, right? You feel really good as Mixon being your RB1, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I think that he's a guy you can get. He's going in the later half of the first round because you have kind of those top four guys. You have Clyde edwards Hilaire kind of falling in. Some people are reaching him as early as five, six, or seven. And then sometimes Derek Henry goes, I would take Mixon over Henry personally. That's kind of where I see it. And then you have Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams. So I really like getting Mixon as an RB. You can also pair with another running back like Josh Jacobs, like a Nick Chubb, if you want to go running back, running back, or if you want to start with a Joe Mixon or a Julio Jones, I really like that kind of start to draft. All right. Now it seems like Jacksonville has turned the page from Leonard Fournette. They, they tried as hard as they possibly could (laughs) to find someone to play with, but no, nobody would do it. And now they had to release him this week. And uh, now you have a vacuum here at running back. So I'm going to ask you, what are your thoughts on Reichwell Armstead? Because you and I both know whenever all of a sudden the guy gets elevated, sometimes there's questions. They say, well, you know, this guy's a backup. He's a backup for a reason. What are your thoughts on Armstead? Can he be a viable, let's say RB two? Is he a flex RB for you? Where do you kind of rank him in terms of his style and in terms of the offense as a whole in Jacksonville? I think that this is very similar to what we saw last year with the Miami Dolphins, where we had a starting running back by the name of Kalen Balage. No, and, and he, yeah. crushed, he crushed dreams last year. And sometimes even if you are the starting running back on a team and you're getting carries, it just it doesn't matter if the team isn't in a position to score points. You're not catching passes because you have Chris Thompson there. I don't know. I see people blowing their fabs on Jaguars running backs and I just can't get behind it. If it, if it was up to me, I still prefer Div- Divino Ozigbo. That's how you pronounce his name. Divino, Divino Big We're Zigbo. all learning. We're all, <laughs> there's a learning curve with Divine. Right, Let's exactly. just call him Divine. So I, I actually prefer Divine over Raquel Armstead. Armstead has missed a lot of time at training mm-hmm. camp. He was put on the COVID-19 list earlier in the offseason, and he's just coming back. He's still missing time, and Ozigbo's getting all the reps. And out of college, looking at the production, it was Ozigbo that was the better college producer than Armstead out of Temple. So... I prefer a Zigbo, but realistically, I'm going to be targeting Thompson, and, and that's probably it. Okay, so Thompson only in the PPR then as like a, a flex RB or as a backup RB? 
Yeah, I think that he's going to have his weeks. You know, those PPR backs, you see, they always have those spike weeks when the team's trailing by a ton of points. You see mm-hmm. with James White, Tariq right. Cohen, when the team is just trailing, it's just like peppering checkdowns. And obviously the Jacksonville Jaguars don't profile as a high-powered <laughs> offense where they're going to be winning by a lot of games. So I just don't think they're going to be had the chance to, you know, be able to run the football effectively. And Garter Minshew is a guy who's going to probably score more rushing touchdowns this year just because he scrambles a lot. So that could take away more touchdowns for the running back. So again, I don't feel bad if I don't get either Armstead or a Zigbo in my drafts. All right. So speaking of garbage time, let's stick around in Jacksonville for a second. Does this change at all uh, the value of DJ shark? Because Shark was a guy I was very impressed with last year. I thought he ran really good routes. He seemed like he had a really good instinct, good awareness on the field, uh, good hands, like everything you're kind of looking for, for a wide receiver one on a team. Now, in terms of fantasy, this is a team that's behind a lot. Like, I don't have a lot of faith in Gardner Minshew, but I think Gruden might be able to get him to uh, at least another gear in his game. Is Shark somebody on your radar for all the reasons that the running backs are not now that Leonard Fournette has gone and made that void? Joe, it's crazy. I feel like we've talked about DJ Chark before. I'm having a such a deja vu moment here, but <laughs> I think that you're spot on. I, I think that he's going to be that wide receiver one in the offense. He showed us last year that he could be the alpha. And if you look at his game splits compared to a guy like Kenny Galladay last year, the first nine weeks of the year, Kenny Galladay was wide receiver seven. He's being drafted as wide receiver seven. You know, obviously people are projecting him like how he played with Matthew Stafford right behind him. Wide receiver nine. DJ Chark. DJ Chark is currently your wide receiver 21 in ADP. So oh, so good. <laughs> I, I it's, it's too easy to pass up. Minshew is really accurate down the field, and that's where Chark makes his his bread and butter. So I'm all about DJ Chark in the fifth round. Sign me up. Yeah, and I've been moving him up ever since the Fournette news happened. I already like Shark anyway, and it's funny because I feel like there's actually been a negative spin. Most people go, "Oh, now Jacksonville's just punting," and I say, "Yeah, Jacksonville's punting." They're going to do a lot of punting a lot of times, but they're also going to be a lot of chucking the ball downfield because they're not going to be able to be very good. So this is, I think, more of a positive than people realize. And the fact that his possibility and potential has gone up, but his ADP is actually starting to go down even more a couple spots is is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I love it so much. Uh, Let's talk about another guy, too, that I know you and I both like a lot. It's Cortland Sutton of the Denver Broncos. Now, a lot of people like to knock the Broncos and say, well, it's not a really good passing offense. Look, they're going to be run heavy attack. But to me, the, the the presence of Jerry Judy there on the field really helps Sutton quite a bit. I understand he didn't get the biggest amount of volume in the world, but my goodness, with the the bad quarter play that Sutton, quarterback play that Sutton got last year, I mean, he was so efficient. Everyone talks about the efficiency of A.J. Brown. What about the efficiency of Cortland Sutton with the opportunities he had? So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on Sutton this year going into the year with now, again, more of a running game to support, a full offseason, whatever was left of the offseason basically with Locke, and now this Denver Broncos looking for uh, with the new offensive coordinator as well? Yeah, there's no denying Cortland Sutton's talent. I think it's the quarterback position that people are concerned about with Drew Locke. He only played five games last year. He was, he was good from a wins loss record, but didn't really push the ball down the field. You know what we saw, but that was really different from what we saw him do at college. He was a deep ball thrower at college. And I think that's the reason why the Broncos fired Scangarello at OC brought in Pat Shermer, who, I mean, if you watched Daniel Jones last year, that dude was chucking bombs. So absolutely that's what I expect to see from Drew Locke. They're going to push the ball down the field vertically more often. And Colin Sutton, he's one of the best deep ball threat receivers in the game. So Mm -hmm. for me, I like the established chemistry between Sutton and Locke, especially with a, a season with so much limited time. They have that built in connection already. And Locke was looking at for Sutton 
in those five starts. So I love him from a volume standpoint. I love him from a touchdown standpoint. He gets all the great targets. And, you know, when he was, you know, during that five game stretch, he led the NFL end zone end zone targets. So locks looking for him in the money places of the field. All right. So we talked about some good things. Let's talk about some negative stuff because I'm a little concerned for the Eagles right now. Uh, Jalen Regor is going to miss up to a month, potentially. Who knows? Uh, stop me if you've heard this one before, but Alshon Jeffrey's hurt. I know it's crazy, but it's true. And uh, here we go again. It's the tight end show with Goddard and Ertz. We'll see if Miles Sanders is a little banged up too. can continue to be a presence in the passing game. But I mean, right now it's like Deshaun Jackson's the default guy. I mean, our Sega white sides out there too. I, I mean, what do you make of this Philadelphia Eagles passing attack at this stage? Because we're right back where we started last year. I feel like with Carson Wentz to enter the season and it's not a good place to start from a fantasy perspective. And, and now we're putting all of our eggs into the basket of Deshaun Jackson, who's 110 years old coming off a year. He missed the entire season. I mean, what do you make of this Eagles offense right now? I don't know if Zach Ertz made a deal with the devil to make sure that he always gets, <laughs> he always gets his targets, man. But no matter what, every year we go and be like, no, there's no way you can get the same targets. Well, what do you know? Everyone else got hurt again. So Zach Ertz, again, is going to be eating that offense. So I think that he's actually someone I'm looking at more often now in the fourth round of drafts. I think that he's a really good pick. But for me, it's Deshaun Jackson. He's a arguably the, the number one wide receiver on the team, and you can get him in the ninth, 10th, 11th round of drafts right now. And look, he usually doesn't. He's probably not going to last the whole year, let's be honest. But the guy has six 100-yard week one games on his resume. If you if you draft him, you have to play him week one because oh. it's you don't know how many times he's going to be able to go off. And, and the matchup's great. You know he's going to be matched up against stat, against. That's a great stat. He's going to be matched up against Ronald Darby, who was routinely burned last year. Yeah. You know he's a, obviously an eagle, and he was an eagle last year. Now he's on the uh, on Washington. So. Sean Jackson, I mean, it feels bad because you draft him as like your wide receiver five, but you have to start him week one. Yeah, and for you DFS folks out there too, pay attention to what Andrew's telling you because I'm sure he is not going to be very expensive. And uh, (laughs) in GPP, DJX can still get free for one. He just needs to get free for one. That's all he needs to do, and the rest kind of falls into place. Let's talk about San Francisco. Let's go to the other side now of the country. And Debo Samuel looking optimistic about week one. But you kind of threw out a name there with me before we were talking, uh, coming on air today about Kendrick Bourne, who to me was another guy that I saw last year in the playoffs have some big moments and moments in the red zone too, which I think is really particular because George Kittle hasn't caught a lot of touchdowns here for the 49ers. But I've noticed when they get down to that red zone area, Kendrick Bourne is a guy they look to quite a bit and had some success there in the playoffs. So is Bourne a guy that regardless of Debo Samuel and his health, that people should be targeting in some deeper leagues this year? Yeah, I think that you hit it spot on. He's a red zone weapon for them. You know, a crazy stat I found out about Kendrick Bourne was so touchdowns inside the 10 yard line since 2018. He ranks second over on the wide receivers with nine touchdowns inside the 10 yard line. They're looking for him. They're calling his number in the red zone, whereas these other receivers are really more yak receivers. That's not Kendrick Bourne's game. He's a big target and he's going to get open in the red zone, which is what they exactly they do. So he's not going to get you a ton of yardage, but Hey, he's going to be cheap in DFS. You need a guy that's going to score touchdowns. It's a good matchup. I think that Kendrick Bourne's people are sleeping on him, especially with all the injuries at the what the 49ers have. Yeah, speaking of those injuries too, uh, on that 49er offense right now, it's it, you had Mostert make that run at the end. You know, there's other guys in this offense that they want to get touches to. 
How do you approach that 49er offense, generally speaking? Because I still think Garoppolo has a long way to go. When I watched him last year, it's a lot of slants over the middle. If you could stop them from doing that, like the Chiefs defense did in the second half of the Super Bowl, all of a sudden I think you can kind of own them a little bit because you force Garoppolo to throw the ball deep, and that's still not his strong suit. So Debo is a guy that slants over the middle. Kittle's a guy that works the middle of the field. You know, Mostert's a guy, too, that, you know, get him out in space. Do you think this 49er offense can have the same kind of run they had last year? Or do you think that they could be in a little bit of trouble now that the book might be out on them a little bit? I think that the defense is going to regress a little bit, which I think is going to make it so that they have to throw more, which, again, may or may not be a good thing. But Garoppolo is now kind of in his second season, full season now with with Kyle Shanahan. So you expect him to take another step forward. But again, with war injuries kind of piling up, it's hard to expect, well, well, why didn't you get better? Well, all my receivers are hurt. So that's why I didn't get any better. So I do expect them to have more passing ball. I mean, I don't think you're going to see them just be able to run the ball like, you know, in that Packers game where he only threw five times, 10 times because it's not because, oh, we ran 10 times. That's why we won the game. It's like, no, it's because we were winning is why we were able to to run the ball so effectively. (laughs) Uh, And I also heard a little birdie told me that now all of a sudden, Everyone can get a little bit more. Andrew Erickson, is this true? I heard you're hosting on Sirius XM now on Sunday night. Is this true? Can we call in now and and talk football with you? Oh, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to be happening. Uh, Week one. Week one, baby. Very exciting. So check him out over there. Uh, You can also follow him on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore. I always got to look to make sure where the underscore is. Some people put it in the middle. You put it at the end. Was there reasoning behind that? Was that was that a creative choice? Now it's because I couldn't buy off the Twitter handle from whoever has at Andrew Erickson. So if they're listening and my DMs are open. Oh, hey, look, don't feel bad. I, I'm I'm not the only Joe Pizzapia either. You would think I would be. I am not. So I couldn't make that work. But look, Andrew's going to help you out with all your fantasy needs. So go over, follow him on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore. Go check out all his great work at PFF and all the great work by the entire team over there at Pro Football Focus. They do great stuff. Andrew, best of luck in your remaining drafts. May all of your teams stay healthy. And I'll talk to you soon, my brother. All right, we're going to hit a break. We come back. More Sports Grid, more fantasy sports today with me and Craig Mish right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Fantasy Sports today with here on SportsGrid as we wrap up this first hour of the show. Full slate of baseball games as well for you today and this evening. Day slate, night slate. And of course, that means some DFS action. You want to make sure you go over to FanDuel and FanDuel Sportsbook. Set up yourself with an account and you can start playing in DFS right away. You can also wager on the FanDuel Sportsbook if you're in a state that has legalized sports wagering. We're hopeful that everywhere in the country will have legalized sports wagering come 2021, but we're at where we're at in 2020. We're also at where we are at here on this September the 2nd. Let's turn it over to Joe for some DFS picks tonight in baseball, including a rookie on the mound in Kansas City. Joe? Yes, we have the return of Walker Buehler also, and he's going to be the cash uh, cash game arm tonight. And part of that is because, look, the last few starts for Walker Buehler have actually been pretty good before the blister issue. He's back from that now. He had a side bullpen session of about 40 pitches. Everything seems fine. So I'm not too worried tonight. Yes, he is going against Gallon, But, look, the Arizona Diamondbacks are thrown in the towel. I think we realize that. Uh, they've got rid of Archie Bradley there at the back end of this bullpen, too. So I'm going to go with Walker Buehler at home 
I trust him more than I do Scherzer tonight. Scherzer has been a little up and down. The strikeout total has been good, but the Nats have been up and down too. And that's why they are where they are in the standings. Tristan McKenzie, I think is a really good shot here. Look, yesterday we were, you know, very much on police Today, you're going to go back to that well again against Kansas City. Yesterday, it was against Harvey, and that worked out. Going to do the same thing again uh, against Kansas City today with Tristan McKenzie. It just is a good salary for a guy with good strikeout potential and good win equity, and that's what you're looking for. Uh, Trey Turner has been red hot at the top of that order uh, lately for the Nationals, so that is a guy willing to pay up for against Zach Wheeler, who typically is hittable. So I would go up there top of that order for him and pay up the way he's uh, producing points, both with power and speed. And then Austin Riley continues to just hit. And that salary continues to stay low. He's just 2.5 facing a journeyman lefty today with kick him. And uh, in Fenway Park is good hitter ballpark. So that's what the DFS slate looks like for tonight, Kirk. All right. We'll check out the DFS slate, wagering slate, and baseball slate. Also, you can get all the updates on our in-game live show right here on SportsGrid. What we'll do is we'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back with our headlines here on Fantasy Sports Today. Also, play a little game of fantasy or reality in hour number two. Stay on the grid. Stay with SportsGrid and Fantasy Sports Today. We're right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 